this is Rebecca Fleetwood Hessian, host of the Badass Women's Council podcast, and I am glad that you're here. We have Erica Ballard on the show today, and she is a health and wellness coach and has the most reasonable and compelling approach to health and wellness that I've ever experienced. Erica's whole approach is she works with busy people who are doing great work, who have their own great purpose, things that they care deeply about, people like you and I. And she wants to help us have more energy to do the things that we love and need to do to serve our clients and to serve the world. Now, is that not the most reasonable and compelling approach you've ever heard? Nothing about counting this and counting that and shame-based and this is just to get into our favorite genes, none of that crap. We're not dealing with any of that crap today. There are three things that really rose to the surface in this episode. One is it's about being intentional, not perfect, just intentional. And another thing that I had never heard it this way before, Erica shares that we should learn the language that our body is speaking to us. She has a great section in here about our body is always speaking to us. We just need to learn to understand it, which I thought was really, really great. And then also confidence builds habits and then habits build more habits. So she's all about a reasonable approach. And this isn't about a, you know, cut out everything and be ridiculous. This is about being reasonable, which I'm a huge fan of. So here we go. Erica Ballard. Hey, Erica, how are you? I'm good, Rebecca. How are you today? Super good. I'm glad to have you on the show. I hope we get to show some of this. Um, well, I'll show your picture, but one of the things I'm going to tell you that I love about you that I've never said before is people that look good, like rock short haircuts, I'm so freaking envious. Like whenever I see somebody just killing it in a short haircut, I'm like, damn, that's good stuff. So I love you and your short haircut. Well, thank you. I, <laughs> my haircut is, my haircut story is one of my favorite because I used to have hair your length. First, actually, it was in the middle of my back and it kept creeping up. And I was like, we used to go to this hairstylist and I'd be like, Janella, cut it, cut it. And then every single time I'd sit in the chair, I'd be like, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> and I went and I made this big deal. Like she was in Boston since I know you're going to Boston soon. So you, they're, like, they're kind of like, t- like a little tougher. And um, so I go in and I'm like, Next time I'm going to come in and I'm going to say, don't cut it, but don't you listen to me. I go back the next time and I'm like, no, but seriously, like it's a headshot. I got a new job. Like I can't, like this is like seriously. And she goes, no, 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 no problem. She grabs my hair and she just cuts it. And she's like, okay, so Bob or Pixie? And I was like, you bitch. <laughs> like, I was so <laughs> mad. And then I've never gone back. So I guess I just, I guess she did all right. So, oh, I thought you meant you've never gone back to her. No, 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 no. I've never gone back to long hair. No, no. Her, I was like, oh, you have my best interest at heart. Yes. I will be there. Even when you couldn't see it to be courageous enough for yourself. Oh, that, what a great story we stumbled on to kick things off today. (laughs) We are killing it. Okay. So tell the world of the Badass Women's Council a little bit about what you do. Sure. So I am founder and head health coach at Erica Ballard Health. And so what that means is I help busy people figure out how to find the right foods and habits for themselves. 
So I recently launched a corporate wellness company that I'm really excited about. It's the first food-focused wellness company. But with individuals, um, I really help people get out of their head and into their body. Um, Because I think when it comes to food, we just we're always like calculating and doing the things and good or bad or whatever it is. And I'm saying like enough, like your body will actually talk to you if you just let it. And so really help people figure out like, what do I need to succeed? What does that look like? And then help people make the best decisions. I would say for themselves, 95% of the time with the caveat that eating the freaking ice cream cone might actually be the best decision for you. So do you know what I mean? Like, yes. So that's what I, I really get amped about is that piece of helping give people, I guess, food freedom is the best way to describe it. Ooh, food freedom. Please tell me you're branding that and trademarking the shit out of it. I mean, I am now. Yeah. <laughs> I am now. I'm you are hashtag food freedom forever from this moment on. And I only take like 0.01% of your royalties when you're on Oprah or something. Oprah doesn't even have a show. What the hell? I'm on O Network. When we're, when oh, I'm on. there we go. Well, yeah. let's have our own show there. Let's put that out there into the world. Yeah. Okay. So many things I love about that. One thing is that you have been specific that you have said busy people and to get them out of their head and into their body because I love that specific branding because I always say, because our target market here at the Badass Women's Council is high achieving women. We all have this lie that we tell ourselves. When I get caught up, I'm gonna. Well, that's crap. None of us are getting caught up. And so we're constantly in our heads thinking about what we're going to do when we get caught up. And it's our brains and our thoughts and all of that cyclone of things spinning up there that keeps us stuck. And you're saying, look, your body's telling you stuff. And when you get caught up, it's too late. Like you got to listen to your body now. So it's about being intentional and listening for those things and then deciding it's important enough for yourself to act on it. Like I dig what you just said mm-hmm. a lot. Well, I appreciate that. And that's the thing that I always think is really interesting about health. And I was having this conversation with our mutual friend, Lindsay, is health is foundational. So when we think about all these other things that we want to do, take the course, download the app, whatever it is, all of those things assume that you have good health Mm -hmm. and they assume that you have the energy. And so the reason I'm so obsessed with health, it's it's twofold. One, um, I, like I told you, I think it's, it's foundational. And what that means is it allows, um, people to create more time and the time that they are allowed, allotted, like your 24 hours goes so much further Mm -hmm. when you actually have the energy to take care of it. Um, and the other piece of it is I think health is the fastest way to see or improving your health is the fastest way to see that you, you can change. Like you are oh, yeah. so much. And so this, this transformation is not just external. It can happen internal and it can happen whenever the hell you want it to happen. So, um, yeah, I'm just. Because we're about our life is about our choices. Mm-hmm. I mean, fundamentally. I mean, there are mm-hmm. some things that are so external that you don't have any control whatsoever. But when you're talking about your body and your health and your well-being and so much of that is so in our control if we're willing to pay attention and make those choices. And, and I don't even say any more tough choices because when I went on this I want to be healthier than I am now journey about, I don't know, 14 or 15 years ago, they're, they, they're, they're only tough choices for like like minutes, days, not very long. And then you become as addicted to your good choices as you were to your 
not so great choices. Is that am I over Pollyanna ish in that? I don't think so because I was talking with someone I don't even remember who it was yesterday, but it was like one of my oh, it was one of my clients, and I said, um, "Well, if you have to go to the store to buy lunch, pick the lunch that's going to serve you." I mean, if really we have to go out to get lunch, you yeah. just choose a different place to go out. And what I think is so beautiful about the body is, all right, maybe the first three weeks it takes time for your palate to adjust. But adjust and more so, like eat things that are healthy that taste good. And I think mm-hmm. that that's where we run into issues. I don't think it's Pollyanna because I think what's actually the issue is we think healthy food tastes bad. But like I eat tacos, like my I love my food. Like I listen, I was just eating a <laughs> bag of epic pork rind. <laughs> of course you were. It's good. It's good stuff. So you think it is three weeks that it takes for it to be, feel the change. Hey, here's, here's, okay. I, I see you kind of freaking out about the dog barking. Here's our rules about the Badass Women's Council podcast. Life is messy and shit happens and we pretty much just roll with it. And so I don't get all worked up about editing and wondering. So the other day, Ellie Cudby was on the show and she had to literally pause and go tell the housekeeper not to run the sweeper because we were podcasting and we were just like, yeah, take your time. I'll be here when you get back. It's fine. So hello dog. What's your dog's name? Max. Max. Um, yeah, he's awesome. He just, he is, he, he likes to know. He wants people to know. Yeah, it's good. I like it. I like it. So tell me, uh, let's, uh, thanks Max. Tell me again about, so you think it takes three weeks for your palate to change? So I I, I, I'm, I'm truly interested in that because I feel like it didn't take me very long, but I bet it was three weeks. Yeah. So it typically takes about three weeks for your palate to change. So if you think about it, a sugar detox is 21 days. Mm, yeah. There's a re- like almost all of them, right? There's a reason for it because it takes about 20, 21 days for your palate to really shift for you to like greens if you didn't like greens or um, broccoli if you didn't like broccoli. I mean, it's, it, it definitely goes in cycles. So like I used to hate beets. It took me about six months to like beets, but that's because beets. I had to go. I, I do now, but I, ugh. but I had to like, like quinoa. And then when I liked quinoa, I like shard. And when I like shard, I eventually like beets. So like it can take some time to get Is that there. Is the but, official trail to beets for anybody? Well, <laughs> it's my, it's my trail to beets. Um, it's my trail to beets, but like shard, quinoa, beets are all in the same families. Fascinating. Okay. So this I think is, is an important thing we need to tie into being intentional about your choices and thinking through, it's not about um, depriving, but it's about saying, I'm, I'm feeding my body, my soul, my well-being. I, I see it as I'm eating for fuel, not, um, not eating to fit into my whatever dress or look good for the class reunion thing, right? So, so being intentional about why you're making those choices is is that the first step? Because I see people that say, okay, I'm going to do this plan for this amount of time. And it's this external reason to do it, which to me doesn't feel sustainable because once that event's over or once you something, once you achieve that external thing, well, then why would you want to continue to keep making the good choices? So I try to see it as fueling my future versus whatever external thing. I didn't say that very well. No, you did. And I think that that I agree with what you're saying. And so for me, I always say that I want to feel good. Like I want to feel good 
long term, right? So feel good in the future. So, so many people will say, well, how can you say no to cheese? Or how can you say no to that cookie? Well, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying yes to feeling my best. I'm saying yes to waking up and really enjoying the next 24 hours. I'm saying yes to my stomach not hurting, right? Like this is, it's really, it no longer becomes an issue of willpower at that point, because it's like, you're just choosing to do the thing that feels fast. And I think what we often forget when it comes to willpower. One, it's finite, so you need you need a lot to really yeah. like hunker down. But two, you can build willpower by choosing what's in your best interest. And so when we hold on, like, you can build willpower by choosing what's in your best interest. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's good. Okay, keep going. Yeah. So right. So when we say yes to something, we say we want to keep doing it. Like we can build more willpower towards the thing that we really that will really serve us. And I think if we start to think about it like that versus no, 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 I can't, I can't. Um, we're in a better spot because at the, at the heart of it, right, it goes back to what you said, you're choosing. And so what is the first step in, in really good health is making the choice that you're worth it. And then you can come back to that mantra, that saying, that phrase, that, that anchoring point, which I think we all really need to do um, in anything we're doing, but particularly for health to allow us to keep moving forward. My old boss, Dr. Stephen R. Covey, used to say, you can only say no unapologetically if you have a bigger yes burning inside. That's exactly Mm -hmm. what you just said. Mm -hmm. So you have to figure out what your yes is and be intentional about it. Mm -hmm. And you and I have talked about this offline before, and I'll give some context to it. Sometimes people look at my, like I'll do little challenges for myself. So, you know, I did, not only did I do sober January, but I did only fruits and vegetables January, or I'll do an 11 day uh, cleanse using certain products, or I'll do, I'll say, you know what, this month I'm going to have it. Like I just do that because I like to challenge myself and I like to see if I can keep promises to myself. And sometimes people have said to me, do you, do you have an eating disorder? Like, why are you always doing those like cleanses? And why do you do that? And why do you, and, like to them, it seems like I'm being weird about it. But to me, it's about, can I keep a promise to myself that is fueling my future and making me feel healthy? Because I do feel better when I do those crazy things. I always say it only it's only weird until it works. Ooh, you're so full of I'm going my show notes are going to be so hashtagged out like yeah. we're we're branding you today Erica Ballard. We are Perfect. doing it. Perfect. Um It's only weird until it works. Mhm. Right? So true. It's so true because after I finish a, a cleanse or like after January, you're just like you are like, you're a furnace. You're on fire. Like you have energy. You're happy. You're healthy. Like why, why wouldn't you want to do more of that? And that's it. Like we have a a mutual friend who's a a client. Um, I'm just, hi, Nikki. Um, Nikki and her energy is like (laughs) Nikki Bush, Nicole Blair, (laughs) where shout out. No, Nikki, uh, Nikki Luane. So, oh, different Nikki. We'll shout out mm-hmm. to Nikki Bush later because we're going to talk yeah. about how we, we worry about our outfits because of Nikki. We'll tie that in later. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh-huh. yes. Okay. The other great uh-huh. Nikki. We know the other great, Nikki. great Nikki's. Yes. Um, so, and she turned me on to this podcast. So, Ooh. she was um, her energy. She's always been high energy. And now that she's fueling her body and really seeing food 
as um, an ally. I work with busy people and like busy people got things to do mm-hmm. and I want them to do whatever it is that they feel like they're called to do. What do you think the biggest ch- challenge is consistently with your clients that you help them do- deal with? Is there one like almost all your clients have that issue? Is it just the busyness or is there something else that you can think of that's pretty consistent? I think it's, it is prioritization of self. Mm. Yeah. Where does that come from? It's dumb. It's just dumb. You should really be able to put yourself first to take care of others. But I do think with a lot of the people that I work with, I've been fortunate enough, is their mission is so freaking big that they're like, I just, I'm pushing through. Still dumb. Still dumb. A little less dumb. But it's like, yeah, yeah, I understand how big your mission is. I get it. I get it. I get it. That's phrased so much better than that's dumb. I love that. (laughs) But but it's that, I I said this to someone, I'm like, but who does it if you're dead? Like, who does it? Like, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) so you have to take care of yourself because there's no reason we can't live to 75, 80, 90, whatever. Like, you see it happen all the time. If If you add a purpose, plus good health, like the world's your oyster. Well, I, I think where I, I flipped the switch two different times about that taking care of myself. One is I was 38. So it's been a decade almost ago. And I, not really a decade, do the math, Rebecca. I just turned 53. I was 38. And I said to myself, I want to be in the best shape of my life before I hit 40. So you, you got a little over a year, like get it. And I did. And it was amazing. And then I had this epiphany when my daughter was little where I was just go, go, go all the time. And I looked down at her little face one day. She was probably three or four, this curly haired, most beautiful toddler I've ever seen in my life. And I had this epiphany that if I wanted her to have the life that I desperately wanted my daughter to have, I sure as hell better start modeling it. Mm. And that meant that I was going to take care of myself and model it for her and say no to things that didn't maybe make sense to her at the time. Like things like I'd say, hey, you kids need to, you know, I'd give them something to entertain themselves or send them off with their dad. And I'd say, you know, mommy's going to go take a bath and read a book. And I was very specific about saying what I was going to do and why. I need, a, I need to take some rest time. I'm going to go take a bath and read a book. And I got really intentional about modeling it for her. And that, that was significant. And now I look at my daughter who's 17 and I see her setting up some pretty decent boundaries and making good choices. She's not perfect. I mean, she does dumb stuff because she's, you know, her brain's not fully developed. But um, for the most part, I think it was a big move. I agree. I mean, I love my mom to death. Like she's the best, but some of these behaviors, right? Like as women, often what's modeled is we're last, we're not first. And, um, you're selfish, right? Like the phrase, because it's it's not selfish, it's self-care. Like we all say it like, ha ha ha, but it's true. You cannot pour from an empty cup. Like Mm -hmm. you can keep trying, but what ends up happening is you get bitter and angry Mm -hmm. when you're bitter and angry. Like you're good to nobody. Nobody's winning. Yeah. So I'm with, I I think that's beautiful. And I, I, I hope to model that, um, when I have children. Yes. Call me if you have trouble. So 
not with the having children part. I can't help you with that, but I can help you model self-care. Oh, I digress. So do you think not taking care of ourselves as women, does that just come from like roots in nurturing and that because we carry the children and bear the children and all that, do you think it just isn't natural to us and we have to learn it? Where does that come from? Not to get so super deep, but I just have always wondered. I've never Googled it. I'm sure Google might tell me some history on it. Do you know? I don't know, but I just have a really hard... My gut reaction was like, it had... We care a lot. Um, I was talking with someone about... Uh, I've, been, I've just been having so many wonderful conversations lately about like the um, woman warrior and how we used to be at the front of lines of battle and then we're no longer allowed to be because we care more about the child um, than we do about the country. So like whether it's like kid, animal, like life force. Yeah. And I, so I think there's a lot of truth to the fact that like we care deeply. Um, but I do still think it's learned behavior because there are just certain expectations that are placed on women and there's still, I mean, we've come a really long way, but it's bitch versus boss, like those type mm-hmm. of things, they still exist. And so yeah. I think that we, I think we inherently know how to, I hate to word, use the word balance, but I think it's right here to balance our needs with the needs of others. But I think it's, we've been, that component has almost been um, exploited to ensure we lean more towards that way. Mm -hmm. At least this is what I've gathered in my own life. Yeah. I I often say and write about, we are not our jobs. Mm -hmm. While I love what I do and always have, and I love to make money and with no shame in my game, like I like to make a lot of money, Mm -hmm. but money is fuel for your story and who you are. It's not who you are. And I think when we wanted to make a place in the workplace we we got this mixed message that said that we had to just go so far in that there was no mistaking we were serious about it and we forgot how to course correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it does. I, I, I have some friends that I look at and I, I'm concerned about just their overall sustainability and well-being because the pace they're at. And, and I've, I've been there. So I, I'm concerned because I see the old me in them. And it's hard to have that conversation, right? I, and I do. I try to you know tease it out a little bit because nobody wants to be shamed or judged about it either. I know they're doing it because they care a lot about their career. And I do too. But I do worry sometimes about people's just sustainability because I, I was at like breaking point, like I, something had to give and I don't want anybody to get there. Can you be exceptional with quote unquote doing less? Of course you can, because when you do the things that really matter, like you do them so much better. It's the law of diminishing returns. It's a natural law. It just is. You should probably line up with it because it's a thing, right? It's like gravity. Oh, I don't believe in gravity. I'm going to jump. I'm probably not going to fall because I don't believe in it. Well, yeah, you are. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've taught that to corporate clients for years and doing it for ourselves sometimes is hard. I, I, I actually have a couple of keynotes that so that's a key component of it where I say, you know what, do less better. And let me show you. And I give them some examples of, of how that plays out every single time. Every single time. Well, in the health perspective too, like I have, um, I'm talking with the client here in just a little bit. And we, the conversation that we're going to have is from a working out standpoint, right? If we're stressed out all the time and then we go do an orange theory fit, 
Orange Theory Fitness workout, which I love Orange Theory Fitness, but that's compounding stress on an already, like that's compounding stress. Your body's stressed out, you're freaking out. And then you're saying, I'm going to add a little bit more on. And your body breaks, right? So then you hit workout number four of Orange Theory Fitness and you think that you're the issue, but really your body's like, I'm seriously breaking. Mm -hmm. Like, stop. Yeah. And when I stopped doing all of the crazy cardio and like lifted a couple times a week and then did yoga, my body has transformed. Like people ask me like, what, what were the final touches for your, or like, how did you get there? And what, what were some of the final touches? Doing less. Get better. And stress is what causes so much of your weight loss or retention of weight. And so it's, it works on so many levels. It just, for us, we're in a society where doing more always seems better. Oh, you've cortisol. Oh my gosh. You've hit on a hot button for me. And I think you and I've talked about this before. It, we have to pay attention to this and not enough people are talking about it as it relates to wellness and health and weight loss. I mean, if you really are trying to lose weight, if you would look at stress as important as you look at what put in, you put in your body, the impact is huge. I, I experienced it personally and I watched it in others and I'm with you. I used to be a, I used to do half marathons and just was at a, I did a lot of distance running because it was kind of, I thought it was therapeutic, but what happened to me is once the other parts of my stress went away and I continued all of that distance running it was making me feel worse because I didn't need that release anymore. It used to be the place where I released and then it became the tax. And I started to feel that on my body where it was like, this just feels bad. And I'm with you. I pay attention to what my body's telling me and try to listen really intently. So talk more about stress and cortisol because this is a huge message I think we need to ride the wave on. Sure. So the so just I want to break down the running piece. People are like, well, how is that possible? is when cortisol gets through our system, your body's natural inclination is to burn it. So when you have cortisol coming through your veins, your body's like, oh my gosh, this fish is about to fight or bear or run from it, right? And so when you run, you're actually releasing the cortisol out of your system. You're doing exactly what your body thought that it was built to do, right? Mm -hmm. And so then it feels good because it's releasing versus bottling up. So there's that. The other thing about stress from a pure weight standpoint is insulin. I'm about to nerd out, so pull me. Do it, yes. Okay. So insulin, right, is a fat storage hormone. So when we have more insulin in our system, that means we're, we have more fat storage hormone in our system, which means we store fat more, okay? Glucose is what raises your insulin. So when you cut and go down a low carb, right, you still hold on weight, you're like, but why? But why? Well, if you're stressed out, your body can create its own glucose and then it's kicking out glucose and your insulin has to capture it and put it in your cells. So you still have this like super high level of sugar mm. pumping through your body, even though... <laughs> you didn't actually eat any. So that's like from like some like biological standpoint as to why it like it, it happens in that sort. And then on top of all of that, right, is we have this thing, the rest and digest function or the fight or flight, also known as um, the sympathetic nervous system versus the parasympathetic nervous system. And if you are in fight or flight, the sympathetic nervous system, you can't actually digest your food appropriately. Like all blood flow is going to your extremities. So like everything from like your brain <laughs> to your gut is not like, it doesn't matter. It's not paying attention to any of it. And so the things that actually need to be repaired, broken down, pull nutrients apart, clean things out, drop all that stuff, it's not being taken care of. So this is why like just, and then on top of all of this, 
cortisol, the receptor, the cortisol receptors, are, there's four times as many cortisol receptors in your stomach than there is in the rest of your body. So literally stress yeah. is making you fat. <laughs> like that is a thing. Um, so that's why when you're really stressed out, you have belly fat. Oh my gosh, I'm fascinated. I mean, I always knew I read enough, you know, in an article here or there to know it was true and to feel it and experience it. But that part of it, that's so say, say the cortisol receptors in your belly. There's four times as many. Fascinating. And that it, it is when I get stressed out, it's my, it's my gut that I, that hello, here it comes. And I, and that's really a trigger for me more so than saying, oh shit, I got to lose a couple pounds. My jeans are too tight. I say to myself, where is this stress coming from? Like, I just know that about myself. In fact, okay, um, I, I got divorced, I don't know, four years ago or so. And my ex-husband and I are now good friends. Everything's great. Fine. But in that time frame, I, you know, it was bad and it was awful and it's the most stressful time in the world. And after that all alleviated and got shaken out, I immediately dropped 10 pounds. I did nothing different. And people said to me, oh, is this the divorce diet? Like you aren't eating? I'm like, no, I literally had changed no part of my diet, no part of my exercise because the stress had been alleviated in a big way. I lost 10 pounds immediately. It was fascinating. So this is part of why I always say it's like you're releasing weight. Like you're just holding on so tight. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're squeezing in in the moment. You're like, you, your body, you literally let out a sigh and your body goes afterwards, right? Yeah. That's why you go to like Italy and you drink all the wine and you eat all the bread and you come back and you're like, I'm 10 pounds thinner. Yeah. You, you weren't stressed. <laughs> like you weren't stressed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, Maybe. this is a thing. This is a huge thing. And so if someone does just have a few pounds to lose and isn't, you know, an extreme case, it's probably best from what I'm hearing from you to look at the stress factors in life and do you need some rest or a vacation more than you need another workout plan? Is that is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Um that's 100% what you're hearing. Literally like stress our body is designed to handle an acute amount of stress of course it is but anything after that you're just compounding instead of <laughs> do a hit workout you're welcome you're so welcome for that advice yes that's huge it's huge mm-hmm. i my massage lady said to me the other day oh my gosh you've really you must be increasing your workout everything's so firm I'm like uh nope i i'm doing less and it was a and it was an affirming moment. I'm like, yep, that's exactly what I need to listen to my body. Don't go crazy. I love that. And that's like the, the, the one thing I hope people can take away, or one of the one things people can take away from this is your body. I say this all the time. Your body is speaking to you. It just doesn't speak English, and so you have to figure out what it's saying. It's speaking Spanish, and you speak English, and you're just trying to figure out the dialogue. Um, but once you get in tune and you learn that language, I mean, it is so beautiful and you get guided by it and then you can also tell it to do certain things if you need it to and it becomes this like beautiful partnership. Okay. So I love words and now you've triggered something. So speaking about languages. Okay. So I write about helping my clients and, and my connections thrive. And I love the word thrive. It means to grow, prosper, and flourish. The word flourish comes from floral origins, obviously, 
And it means when the stem of a flower stretches and grows, it grows up to the sun and down through the soil. So in order to thrive, we have to create the conditions by which we can grow and prosper. Now, I love all that beautiful language, but let's think about what has been sometimes more traditional in our um, need and desire as high-achieving women to succeed. What we've been known to do is strive. And we say, I'm going to strive to hit the next goal. I'm going to strive to get promoted. I'm going to strive to hit that next benchmark of success and whatever goal that is. The word strive comes from the origin of strife. And it actually means to challenge and battle. So if you ask yourself, am I white knuckling it through, staying up as late as I need to, powering through whatever I need to, eating chips at my desk for lunch because I don't want to leave and, and take a break because I'm working. If, if that's your reality, that's striving. That's not thriving. And your body, um, um, what I'm tying together now, what you've just said about cortisol is your body is seeing that as a battle. It's receiving that language that you're telling it saying, she's in a battle, man. We, you know, go all in. Here she is, white knuckling it through, staying up late, catching up on email, making sure she's getting it done. And thriving is different. Thriving says, you know what? I'm going to work hard on this project. And I'm also going to say no to some of this other stuff I've committed to because I have this important project. And when it comes a certain time in the afternoon, I'm going to walk and talk with my colleagues or I'm going to take the dogs out for a walk while I think about this project and then I'll come back and do it differently. I'm not saying don't work hard. I'm wired for working hard. I love that. But I, I like to work differently now. I'm not in it for the battle. I'm in it to 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 do things that have meaning and say no to the crap that really has no inherent value so I can do things better. It's amazing to me how many times we have to learn that lesson. Oh, like, yeah. Because I agree. I, so as an entrepreneur, right, like white knuckle, white knuckle, white knuckle, and you look at everyone who's ever been an entrepreneur and they've done the same thing. And then they all get to that point where they're like, huh, I wish I would have just thrived, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish I would have just listened to the cues, gone with my gut. Right. And, but we're like, oh, well, if they did it, then I have to do it this way. And then all of a sudden you realize, nope, there was always a conversation being had. I decided to listen to it or not listen to it. Mm-hmm. And the faster we learn to listen, the quicker we get to thrive. Because if we believe, I believe that like me and the divine are one, we're homies and I'm just a vessel of it. I can trust. I can trust. For me, it's a him. Like I can trust him. Yeah. I can trust myself. Like everything's here if I trust. And I think that that's what we forget to do, whether it's in our business, whether it's in our careers and whether it's in our health. But it's like, if you truly believe what you said you'd believe and that you are one and the same, then you are enough and you can do this. And that's what I really like, I really feel strongly about with our health. Oh my gosh. I'm literally tearing up. Absolutely. One of the chapters in the book I'm writing is... I'm sorry to tell you, you're not in control of the universe. (laughs) 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 Because the day or days, or still reminding myself that some days, it's both infuriating and freeing. Because I'm telling you what, I was super good at white knuckling it out, man. I, 
I could get some shit done. And then I was a raving, you know what, for two days afterwards and hated myself for it. And the cycle would just go on and on. And now that I see it differently, I realized that I prevented because I didn't trust him enough to say, and I didn't realize it. It wasn't malicious, but just now I'm more intentional about it. Like yesterday, I was thinking about this video that I'm recording tomorrow and thinking, I got to get the script done. I got to do this. I got to do that. And I started to go there, right? I was going to stay up late. I was going to get it done. And then I said to myself, well, I'll just write down a few things that are important to me. And like, he'll just tell me what to say in the moment. This is my stuff. I'm passionate about it. It'll be fine. And I'm now that I'm more release versus control, because that's the other way I talk about it when I'm writing about it now, it is the outcomes are so much better. Not only do I give him a chance to get into the picture in a much bigger way, but I think about the number of times that we prevent our kids, our significant others, the other people in our lives from truly living their gifts and talents because we're so busy controlling the outcomes of everything that they don't get to live their best life because they're afraid they won't do it good enough to suit us. Mm, That's so good. And I've done it. You know, I, I said to myself one day, why do you refold the freaking towels when you ask the kid to fold the laundry and the lines didn't match up in the linen closet from the way I typically like to fold towels? Why would you refold the towels? This is the nobody sees your damn towels, Rebecca. But it says to the kids that folded the towels, you didn't do that good enough. So if I'm that kid and I get asked to fold the towels next time, why the heck would I want to show up for that job and give it my best effort if they know I'm just going to redo it? And, you, and, and that's a small example, but I think it has big impact to think about how many times are we white knuckling and not paying attention and not letting the people that we love most be themselves and bring all they can. And then if we work together, it's, it's far better than us thinking we control everything. A couple of things is one, like, why would we even want to have that job? Like, do you know what I mean? Like I when know. I really like, I don't want that. I don't want, because if I have to control everything, I have to control me and then I have to control you and then I have to control your daughter and then I have to control my husband and then I have to control, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I don't want that job. And then two, Janine Roth, uh, Janine Roth says this all the time and I think it's really true is the world's on your plate. So like, if you're ever mm-hmm. wondering like what you're actually, are you, if someone's listening to this, they're like, I don't know if I'm white knuckling. It sounds like I am. I'm not, look at how you eat. If you start to watch how you eat, you will see how you actually live your life. Because there's a, co- talk more about that. Because there's a correlation between you, you go for the crap when you're acting like in that white knuckling like crap space. Is that it? When you're not making time, you're prioritizing everything else. You're yeah. like pushing for the end result. Like I know, for instance, when I'm, when I'm overcommitted, this was like a big, and I do this for a living. And even like a month ago, I was like, oh, shoot. Um, I was eating really healthy food, but I was eating it to the point of stuffness, the point where like I couldn't move at times, like, which is insane, right? To say, but like, I know that. And the thing is, I know better. I know better. Um, (laughs) I love it that you're not perfect though, because that means you're like you and me and everybody else. But it was, I, I had that moment where I was like, what are you? And then it was like, oh, right, what's happening? And I was like, my calendar was so overcommitted. Like I said yes to everything that I shouldn't have been saying yes to, even if it was a really good thing. And so I literally canceled. I should have, I wish I would have just screened ahead of time and set my own boundaries, but whatever. We live and we learn. 
I canceled all these meetings. I haven't had an issue with food since. I was just like, oh, I'm overcommitted. So like when we're like white knuckling, like Mm -hmm. chances are you're like grabbing whatever's available to you that it will work. And then you just keep moving forward. But it's like, think about what you're doing and then decide how to move forward. And I think then you would see that on your plate too. So, so important. That whole mindless eating thing. I have to be careful. I cannot have classic Lay's chips in the house during times when I'm closed up writing for days and days because I try to do that on my calendar. I say, okay, here's three straight days of just nobody's going to bathe or do anything but write. Like This is just all in. And I cannot have a bag of classic Lay's in the house during those times because I will eat the whole damn thing in one sitting mindlessly while I'm thinking and writing. And just and then all of a sudden, I feel like crap. And guess how many great ideas and create creative words you can you can write when you've eaten a bag of classic lays none not many none it's bad it's bad just so the, so the bottom line is that we're saying be intentional listen to your body and cortisol kills <laughs> hashtag <Yeah>. cortisol kills <laughs> yeah and and the one thing too and I know that we talked about this before like as as we we're getting started is the other thing too is like take your time like you you know we talked about built like promises to ourselves and things like that beforehand and like i think about this all the time it's like we're telling you cortisol cortisol does kill um <laughs> cortisol kills like be on the lookout of your plate like pick the best things for your body but remember you're just getting started like there's a potential that you're just getting started and so if you are or you know you should be and my brother and i always we talk about just like be better. Like, if you know, you should be better. Um, <laughs> then you, <laughs> as you can imagine, that it's not usually about food uh, when we talk about it, but it's like, if you could just be better, um, we <laughs> take your time because confidence build habits and habits build habits. And so like the way that you're able to actually keep the promises to yourself, not only food, but other areas of your life is actually by doing one thing, committing to it, and then giving yourself space and grace as you work through it so that you can add the next piece up so that people aren't like super overwhelmed with the fact like, Oh my God, I've got to be healthy. I've got to do all these things. I got to, no, you got to do one thing right now, do it, get it underway, keep that promise. And then you're going to want to keep another promise to yourself. And you're going to want to keep another promise to yourself and it'll just keep going. But we have to like recognize that we're not going to flip the entire table over and say, my world is different. No, you're going to have to like, yeah. (laughs) Build some habits. Confidence builds habits. Habits build confidence. So, oh, oh, well, I say um, co- confidence build habits. Habits build more habits. Yeah. Uh, the number of hashtags and wonderful little and, and, and okay, so I'm saying it jokingly, but here's the thing: our brains believe what we tell it, right? And so, if we can build rhymy mantras for ourselves. Mm-hmm it gives us a higher probability of habitually saying the right things to ourselves. And mm-hmm. so I stop you and have you repeat those because I'm hopeful that one or all of those will get stuck in a little bit of an earworm loop for some of our listeners because that can be a huge catalyst for change is just how we talk to ourselves. And I, that's another thing I've been, I've been researching and writing about is if find a mantra that works for you, even if it's silly and it, it just gets stuck in your head, but if it's 
positive and helpful, it will actually help to rewire some things in your brain that will help change those habits. And I really appreciate you um, stopping and reflecting that back because I think almost inherently, I think because I know that that um, these things are catchy, it's probably why I keep repeating them. I mean, there are things that really do come out of my mouth on a regular basis and that have stuck, right? And people are like, they repeat that back to me so much. I'm like, oh, um, because it's true. It's these small little clips that you can like constantly replay. And for me, I have that stuff all the time. Like the right now I choose, like right now I choose to be courageous. Right now I choose to be committed. Like that, that plays all the time because there are times when I just don't want to. And I'm like, nope, right now I choose. And then I like march on. And And then your brain goes, oh, she's choosing. Let's go. Like that's an actual thing. That's not airy fairy stuff. That's neuroscience. That's what I'm, I agree. And I think that this is, I'm so happy that we're in 2019 and people are starting to realize that these aren't some like, I always say woo. Like I, like I love the woo. Like nobody loves the sound healing with a didgeridoo more than this girl. Okay. Like I'm all about it, but like there is science. Yeah, I know. Just a minute. Just take a picture. Um, but there is science behind all of this stuff. We are doing all of these things for, uh, because they work and you can rewire your brain and you can rework your subconscious and you actually, and not only can you, but you have to. You have to. If you want to achieve the goals that you want to achieve, because as you get higher up and you get closer and closer, they don't like, it's not like God's like, great. Done. You Check. did it. It's like, nope, you're going to keep growing. Next level. Mm, oh, what is it? Up level, uh, up level, new devil. Is that new the level, new devils. Yep. Yeah. Full show. <laughs> That'll preach. <laughs> Mm-hmm. No, it's so true. The whole neuroscience thing is, and, and that's what, as I'm writing about some of these things, I try to research it both spiritually and from neuroscience. So if I have this thing, I, I ask myself, is, did I make this up in my head? Like, is this a real thing? So then I'll go and I'll, you know, start to do some research and I try to get it from, I don't try. I do get it from both sides. I go look at the spiritual side and then I look at the neuroscience side and it's fascinating it is so directly correlated in every way that it's like, how, how are people not paying attention to this? I mean, so the back part of your brain is where your habits lie, right? That's where you just do stuff. The prefrontal cortex, it's a more taxing. So when you're thinking about changing your habits, whether it's food or your, the activities that you're doing, you have to be conscious of it. You have to think it. And so your body goes, oh, we got to burn some more calories because we're going to do something different. We got to think about it different. So if So if you can take a mantra or something that is habitual to you, you create this kind of loop in your head, it starts to put that choice and those things back into that back part of your brain where it is more habitual. And we have to recognize that the biggest part of our brain is is where emotions lie. It's where memory sits. And so if you could attach something emotionally, so you brought this up earlier, if you want to eat better or do something, any kind of habit change you want, and you think about the emotional reason behind it. It has a higher probability of becoming a change in behavior. So there was an article in Fast Company magazine many years ago called Change or Die. And it was cardiology patients who had been diagnosed with a significant issue where if they did not change their habits, they were going to die. And a very small percentage of them chose to change. And there were only two things that were, that were consistent. One is they wanted to live for something, not move away from death. Fear of death was not enough. But when those people said, 
I want to see my granddaughters walk down the aisle for her wedding, or I want to. And they emotionally attached living to something that mattered to them in a huge way. It, 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 that was the catalyst that made the difference. And the other one was connection. They had somebody that was in it with them. And so if we can take all these things that we think we want to do from a wellness perspective and get the why down, what's, why do you want to have more energy? Why do you want to feel better? Why do you want, that comes from a different place in your brain. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's an easier way to get those habits and that, and, and that cycle going that you talked about. I mean, I couldn't agree more. And I think you couple that with untangling some of your own stories. And yeah. hearing them out loud, because like what Brene Brown, it, once you, once you hear it, like that, sh- mm-hmm. like shame can't hold true. And so yeah. you anchor in your why you unravel your stories. And it's simple because mm-hmm. health is a block. We have relationship blocks, financial blocks, right? Business blocks, career blocks, we have food yeah. blocks and you, this is why, like I always say food, <laughs> it's expert choice and mindset. That's your issue with, with health is you pick the wrong expert to follow and you don't believe that you're capable of doing it. Those oh. are your issues. Say that again. Well, expert? I, expert choice and mindset. So mindset's obvious, right? From the, the like we have, um, whether you believe you're worthy, all the stuff that we just talked about, the whys and things like that. And then from an expert choice, it's who do you, like 93% of diets fail. 93% of diets fail. So at some point you have to believe that it is the method, not you. Um, and mm-hmm. so the experts that you were choosing had the wrong information and you were following them because of usually something of mindset or you just didn't know any better. So 93%. So 93% of diets fail with the number one indicator, 93% of dieters fail. But the number one indicator, if you will fail on a diet, is you being on a diet. Like, isn't that insane? <laughs> Like, so <laughs> that's almost like a Dilbert cartoon when you say it that way. It's like, oh, really? Duh. What? But it's, I mean, I could go on and on, but it's the calorie in, calorie out mechanism being a total freaking lie. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, like, calorie in and calorie out, they're dependent on one another. So, unless you're in the pinnacle of health, you can't outrun a burger because it's one of six mechanisms in the body that actually allows you to burn energy. So, mm-hmm. we did it because math is easy, but like, that the five things that like about the five other mechanisms are heavily dictated by food. So, yeah. And we did it because it was easy, mm-hmm. right? So you, you, somebody created this thing because it was easy to do or measure or whatever, but yeah. not all beliefs are truths either. And so there's so many times that I have to challenge my own beliefs and go back and say, okay, I may have believed it for whatever amount of time, but is it really true? Do I have... Can I back that thing up? And so this whole calories thing is is a belief that that culturally has been generations and generations long, but it's not a truth, right? That's yep. That's um. I'm gonna start a podcast called um. You heard it here first. The the lies you've been fed, and um. Oh, what a brilliant name! Shout out to my husband. Um. So yes. yes. So. My co-host and I were meeting next week and we want to answer these questions of like, why do we believe the calorie and calorie method or why are we on this keto phase right now? So we can actually get the backstory 
um, to that stuff because I think it's fascinating. And I think so excited. It's going to be really fun. And then on top of it all, right, is I always say, and I think we would agree on this, it's you're an N of one. You're the only research that matters. You're the only research that matters. So um, we got to stop looking at everyone else for to tell us how to live our life. When like, if you were to close your eyes and just really go in, you would know. You just got to listen. I'm so excited you're starting a podcast. You're going to be amazing. Oh my gosh. Consider me already fangirling subscriber person. And the reason this podcast got delayed for so long is because I thought there was a right way to do a podcast and a wrong way to do a podcast. And finally, someone had said, is it your podcast? And I said, yeah. And they said, well, then go decide what the right way is. And I was like, well, shit, that sounds super simple. Why didn't I already do that? Yep. Duh. You have a client you have to go take care of. So I have to let you go. But here's the deal. Will you come back? I would love to. Are you kidding? Oh I'm obsessed with you. Like, <laughs> like literally my brain is like, we can talk about this. We can talk about this. And what about that? Like, I'm going to go make a list of the Erica Ballard series that apparently I've just created because it's my podcast and we can do what I want. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take your short, ugh, my words won't work. Take your short ass cute haircut and go take care of more clients. I will. Thank you so much. Thank you. Love you. Mean it. I'm not coming down. Do you love Erica or what? I know I do. So go follow her on Instagram, Erica Ballard, and also go to her website, ericaballardhealth.com. I'll have links in the show notes for both. And she has a download there that can help you get started today with five things that you can do to start managing your energy and your health. So glad that you're here today. And as our reflection questions based on this episode, the first one is, what is your body telling you? This whole idea of your body talking to you and how we respond to that, I just think is fascinating. So reflect on that this week. How is your body speaking to you? And then the second reflection question is, what would you do with more energy? Who else could you serve? What else, what, how much greater could your relationships be and your life be if you had more energy? I hope you will reflect on those two questions today. And also, I really hope that you'll go and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done that yet. And maybe, you know, share it with all your favorite badass friends. That'd be super good. Thanks so much. Love you, mean it. I'm not coming down. I never liked it on the ground. I'm not coming down.